Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the evening service of Friday the 23rd of February 2018, entitled The Soldier's Battle. And the Bible reading is taken from 1 Samuel chapter 17. Here's Brother Brian Beaver. Well, good evening. Uh, it's so good to see all of you tonight. Thank God for the opportunity to be here in the Sword of the Spirit Conference. I thank God for... Bethel um, hosting this. Um, thank God for all of you that I've seen over the years grow uh, from young people to now older people. It's a great looking crowd tonight except for a few of you. But anyway, um, but I thank God for the privilege of being able to preach not just uh, to you but with uh, my friend and my brother, my mentor, uh, Dave Kistler. I thank God for his family and their influence in my life. Thank God for the courtesies. I have watched... Uh, their kids grow up right before my eyes, and now they're having children. It's a crazy. Um, I, know I, I, I know I only look like I'm about 24, but I'm really 28. So anyway, I just want to tell you what a delight. I hope and pray you listen on purpose this weekend. Um, we're going to go all the way back to our roots. We started this conference in 2002 uh, on the premise of a battle, of a spiritual warfare that you young people go through. And you know what? It's going to happen every day. Every single day that you try to serve Jesus Christ, and by the way, Mom and Dad, this goes for you too. Every single day that you try to serve Jesus Christ, you've got an enemy. It's not your mother-in-law. Amen? It's not your in- Listen, it's not your in-laws. It's not Mom or Dad. I know right now you think they're the arch enemy, but it's not. Listen, it's not anybody that goes to uni with you. It's not the people that live beside of you. You have an enemy, and most of you young people need to understand this. It's not just the devil, but sometimes the waves that crash on board the boat of your life aren't out there, they're in here. And it starts in your mind. You've got to train your mind. You've got to cultivate cultivate your mind. Start thinking differently about who you are and what you have. And that's what we want to focus on this weekend. We want to focus on the fact that you're more than a conqueror through Him that loved you. Amen? The Bible says that you are a warrior. You're a soldier. 2 Timothy chapter number 2 says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. God ain't looking for wimps. He's looking for warriors. He's not looking for sissies. He's looking for soldiers. Brother David, he's not looking for somebody that will put their finger to the wind and find out what direction to go. He's looking for somebody that will set their face like a flint toward Jesus Christ and say, Master, Commander-in-Chief, I'm here reporting for duty. That's what we need. We need some good soldiers in this day and age in which we live. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. Y'all okay? Everybody all right? Buckle your seatbelts up, all right? I'm going somewhere. 1 Samuel chapter number 17. 1 Samuel chapter number 17. We're going to read probably the whole thing, so just hold on, okay? 1 Samuel chapter number 17. Before I look at the Scripture tonight, I want you to understand something. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, verse 26 says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. I'm in a real fight, Daniel. Every single one of you in this room is in a real fight. you got to make up your mind tonight. You need to make up... Are y'all with me? Say amen. You need to make up your mind tonight if you're going to... Listen, as... Paul told his preacher boy Timothy in his swan song in 1 Timothy 1.18, he said that thou mightest war a good warfare. 1 Timothy 6.12, he said, listen, fight the good fight of faith, Jamie. Lay hold on eternal life. 
By the way, if you're in this room tonight and you put your faith in Christ, let me tell you something. It's signed, sealed, and delivered. Lock, stock, and barrel. Jesus Christ died for your sins. Past, present, and future. I don't mean to preach aggressively and get all excited, but thank God for Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, we're to be a soldier of the cross. Paul said these words, his last, listen, his last will and testament. He said, I have fought a good fight. Ladies and gentlemen, he didn't, listen, it's not important how good you fight. It's what you're fighting for. Amen. It's what you're fighting for. And I made this statement to the people on Wednesday night, and I hope to reiterate this all through the weekend. You can put up with a whole lot of what when you got the right why. Amen. You can put up with a boatload of what when you got the right why. I am a soldier, I am salt, I'm a son, I'm a steward, I'm a servant. And ladies and gentlemen, if you try to live your life independently of God, you are a thief. Because your life's not yours. And I'm talking to some people in this room tonight that you know what? You may not be born again. You may have never put your faith in Christ. Can I tell you something tonight? You can go from being an ain't to a saint if you'll put your faith in Jesus Christ. All you've got to do is accept the free gift of eternal life and you tonight can be a born-again believer on your way to heaven. Amen? I do not take it for granted, and I know Brother Dave doesn't either, that he's talking to a multiplicity of people who have maybe been in this room and been in church, but not in Christ. You sit in a pew, but your name's not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand tonight that we can be more than conquerors through him that loved us. I want you to look at 1 Samuel, chapter number 17. 1 Samuel, chapter number 17. Man, it's good to see my friends from Wales. Man, we had a time this past summer, didn't we, brother? Man, we had a time. Fuse camp is for real. Yeah, oh, I Sorry. Boy, they're in for a treat when they come this summer, aren't they? 1 Samuel chapter number 17. I'm also glad to see all the people that are faithful that have been here all, all through the years. Those from Bethel, thank you, uh, ladies and gentlemen, for doing all the decorating and everything. It's wonderful. I just love this place. And you know what, church? And heaven ain't about walls and pews and walls and all these other things that we think about. Heaven's about people. Church is about people. We're a body. We're made up of many, many different members, but we're one body. We're one body. Let me say it again. We're one body. Some of y'all don't look, you look like you're looking, like, liking that much. And if y'all don't stop making that face at me, I'm going to come back here and make that face at you. You better stop. <laughs> look at chapter number 17. I'll start my reading in verse number 1. This is probably one of the most familiar passages of Scripture when it comes to soldiering because we're going to talk about probably the most flannel graft story that has ever taken place in Sunday school. But when you read the, old, the whole story, Brother Dave, this is something I can't even believe we teach on flannel graph because this dude named David might have been a young man. He might not even been in the army, but we're talking about a warrior. We're talking about somebody that took serious, the, listen, the name of God and the calling that God had placed on his life. And ladies and gentlemen, I want you to look at what happens in this story. Unbelievable. You might think we're going somewhere, but we're not. We're going a different direction, so just follow me, okay? 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse number 1. Now the, Philippi the, the Philippines. 
Now the Philistines, now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at Shoko, which belonged to Judah, and pitched between Shoko and Ezekiah and F.S. Damine. Now look over at verse number 21. For Israel and the Philistines had put their battle in array, army against army. Let me say it again, army against army. Here was the strategy. We're going to have an army against an army. That was the strategy, Rob. It's going to be an army over here, army over there, and we're going to get with it. Amen? Look at what happens. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. You know what? Every one of you in this room probably got up this morning and expected this day to go a certain way, and it's probably not gone the way you expected Everybody in this room's always started their day thinking, this is what I'm going to do, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And it doesn't go that way. Can I explain something, folks? There may be days that you fight battles you don't get to choose. Now, I'm just talking to you right now. But I want to get this into your brain housing group. That's what our drill instructor would call it. I want this to sink into your skull. Every day is not glory day. Every day's not going to be the victory in the valley of Elah. However, every day is duty day. Asa, every day is duty day. We got to stand up. We got to make a decision that we're going to serve the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what happened in David's life. He's coming down. I've got to give you just a little bit of a precursor. David's coming down to bring lunch. He's the first subway salesman in the Bible. He comes to bring lunch to his brothers, who, by the way, are in the army. And here comes this big old joker. This great big joker stands up and is going to defy the armies of God. I want you to look at what it says. Every, by the way, everybody in this room has got some great big old thing you fight every single day. Don't look at me like that. You know I'm telling the truth. It may be depression. It may be suicidal tendencies. It may be, a listen, a prescription addiction. It may be an addiction to internet pornography. It may be something in your life that, may, listen, a big old giant stands up and he defies you. What is it in your life that stood up and you heard the words that were spoken by that, that thing, whatever it is? Listen to what happened to David. David heard, look at verse number 23 again, and the last part of it. It says and that, that the Philistines spake according to the same words, and David heard them. Can I tell y'all what I hear a lot? I hear a lot of what happened to me when I was 12, 13, 14 years of age. You can't do that. You know what you used to be. I knew you win. <laughs> I knew you win. You wasn't saved. You ever had a family member tell you that? You ever had a family member? Y'all looking at me like I'm speaking some kind of Swahili or something. Have you ever had somebody in your life or something standing between you and what you're trying to get to? Between you and your promise. Between you and your breakthrough. Between you and your destiny. Some great big old giant stands up and rears his head. Look at what David does. He heard the words. Some of y'all right now are hearing those words rehearsed in your mind that some professor 
or some family member. See, all of us weren't raised in exemplary homes. We came from divided families. We came from blended situations. We came from an abusive situation where a daddy might have, listen, even tried to take a, a handgun or an axe or tried to kill you. You know what? Well, I don't know who I'm talking to, but there's somebody I'm talking to tonight that's some great big old hairy giant standing up and in your face and defying you. And I want to ask you this. Are you going to do what David did? I want you to look at what happens. Look at chapter number 17 and verse 24. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. You know what's amazing? David didn't go to Gath, but Gath came to him. Boy, Gath can find you wherever you're at. And do you know what happened when they saw this threat from this giant? They all quivered and shook in their boots and they ran away because they were sore afraid. That's not just being fearful. Sore afraid means I was absolutely petrified. Look at verse 25. And the men of Israel said, have you not, have you seen, have you seen this dude, David? Come on now. You've come down here to bring lunch. You come down here with some lunch in a bag and here you are as a young lad. Look at this guy. Look at him. It can't be done. Y'all ever heard those words? You can't do this. Ladies and gentlemen, look at what they said. Have you not seen, have you seen this man that has come up surely to defy Israel as he come up? And it shall be that the man that killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Can I tell y'all something? This is what this says. If you can kill this giant, Brother Dave, you're going to get all the riches of the palace. You ain't going to have to shovel sheep dung no more. You can strut through the palace. If you can just kill this giant. If you can kill this giant. You're going to, get to, get, you're going to be able to get married. You're going to get a wife. Now none of y'all look down. You men don't look down like that's a bad thing. Some of y'all look at, oh man, I don't know. But not only that. It says that your daddy's house will be free in Israel. You know what happens if you de defeat this giant in your life? You're going to be debt free. Your daddy will never have to pay taxes again. If I can just kill this giant, I'm not going to have to see debt in my life anymore. I was born in debt. David said I was born in sin. He may have not only not been the smallest and the youngest, he may, some scholars say, he may have been illegitimate because it says in, listen, I was born in iniquity and in sin and my mother conceived me. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that's here or there. But I'm just saying David said I was born bankrupt. I was born in debt. And if I can just Jay kill this giant, my daddy won't have to pay taxes again. I can get married, and I'm going to have all the riches of the kingdom. I wonder where you're at tonight. Young person, let me ask you a question. Where are you at tonight? Because, Dan, there's always some giant that's trying to lord over you. And by the way, let me go just a little bit farther. Look at the, look at the next verse. And David spake to the men that stood by him and said, What? You know what? What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Can I say it the way I think he said it? Who 
This is a 13-year-old boy. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? There was probably some people there, and one of them was his brother, I know, that went, whoa, David, hold on a minute there, cuz. Hold on just a minute. You ain't even in the army, baby. You just a little big boy. David don't have a, listen, David don't have a sword, Daniel. David don't have on a coat of armor. David don't have anything to protect himself. All David has is outrage. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he defy the God that my heart's after? I'm talking to some young people in here, and you know what you've got to get? Before you get anything, you go to get an outrage over people that will defy your calling and what God has done in your heart. There's going to be some people in your life, and by the way, the first battle he fought wasn't even in the Valley of Elah. It wasn't even with a giant. Look at verse number 27. And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab his brother, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. Why in the world is Eliab mad at his brother? I'm going to show you why. Look at what it says. He said, why have you come down here? What are you doing down here, boy? You ever had somebody talk to you? Boy, what are you doing? What, what are you doing down here? Are you crazy? You need to sue your brain for non-support. What do you come down here to find this giant? We got an army against an army here. Just let us take care of it. What are you doing down here? Then he makes this statement. He says, I know the naughtiness. Look at this. He said, why have you come down here and whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thy heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest what? See the battle. He said, buddy, you ain't even going to fight. All you come down here is to watch us fight. And I want you to look at what David said. David said, what have I now done? Do you know why I came down here? And he asked a rhetorical question. He says, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Can I ask a question tonight? Is there a cause in your life? Because every believer, listen to me, every believer in this, in this, in this building has to understand that there is the believer and his Bible, the believer and his behavior, but there's the believer and his battle. And every believer in this room is going to have to cinch up and understand that you're in a fight. This is not a comfort zone. It's a combat zone. And ladies and gentlemen, you want to know why I sat on my sea bag on a tarmac at Seymour Johnson Air Force Base getting ready to fly to Iraq in 1991? It's because I knew my brothers had my back. I was a believer, and it wouldn't matter if none of them did. Let me tell you something. I've got a heavenly Father who never, ever, 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 ever leaves me. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to spit on you. It's like the... If you sit up here... Let me tell you something, Callum. This is like the splash zone at SeaWorld. You better, you better go ahead and enjoy it because you're going to have to participate and get, get, get wet. All right? Let me tell you something. Ladies and gentlemen, he said, is there not a cause? Can I explain something to you? Ladies and gentlemen, I have watched people 
fight a good fight. And it wasn't the fact that, Kimmy, they were great at fighting. It was just what they were fighting for. And then somebody, some naysayer, listen to me. David, his first battle was against what his brother said to him. Can I explain something? It's sad, isn't it, when the first battle we got to fight is with those who we love the most. I remember standing in the yard in Statesville, North Carolina, looking at my mom and dad and saying, Mom, Dad, I've surrendered my whole life. Mom, I want you to understand I've been bitter at you. I've gotten things right, and I want you to forgive me. I want you to forgive me, Mom. I've been bitter. I've been bitter at some of the things you told me, but I know that I'm enough. And I love you, and it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what some association says. It doesn't matter what a committee says. They can come together and vote on it, but it doesn't matter. I know I'm enough because I'm a child of the king. And I looked at my mom and dad, and I said, I'm going to be a preacher. My daddy said, son, he wasn't sick at the time. He was a, this guy was big, huge. I mean, big guy. 200 and none of your business. Amen. 245 pounds. This man looked at me and said, Brian, I love you, but that excitement and enthusiasm is going to wear off. You know what it didn't, Daniel? And I was able to lead my daddy to Christ before he died of cancer. Let me tell you something, guys. If it just takes a curt remark, if it just takes some chiding from somebody out on the streets tomorrow, if it takes something to make you cower down, let me tell you something. You may want to check who you're getting your marching orders from. Because can I say this? There's three words I want you to look at and we're going to go eat. Amen? Three words I got from this passage, Dave. Number one, I want you to write down the word eclipse. Eclipse. You say, preacher, what does eclipse mean? Well, I'm glad you asked me. Eclipse means to block. When we have a lunar eclipse, that means the earth blocks the sun rays from the moon, making a, a, a shadow on the outside edge of it, a rim. We just had one in the United States back just a few weeks ago, or a few months ago. Ladies and gentlemen, can I say this? There has to be an eclipse in your life. You say, what do you mean? Your calling must always eclipse your circumstances. In other words, your gift, Kimmy, must eclipse or overweigh your Goliath. Your calling must eclipse. By the way, let me say it this way. Until what's in front of you is more important than what's behind you, you're always going to run from the giant. Let me say it again. Until what's in front of you eclipses what's behind you. Listen, Paul put it a good way. Rob, he said this. He said, I count not myself to have apprehended. I'm not some big shot, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Before I press toward the mark for the prize of the high call, I'm sorry. Y'all pray for me. I should have wore suspenders. I might not jump up and down as high. Can I say this? We've got to forget those things until what you have in your life, Beth, eclipses what used to be in your life. You're always going to be afraid of the giant in your life. Your calling must eclipse your circumstances. i give you a perfect example. There's always, David said, what is there not a cause? Let me go a little deeper. We know this law as cause and effect. Cause and effect. If you have a cause, you're going to have an effect. Let me go a little deeper. 
maybe the reason why we see some of your generation not having any effect is because they don't have no cause. You've got, let me tell you something about guys. I don't know about you ladies as much, but let me tell you something about guys. If you don't give a guy a cause, he's going to revert his effect to feelings and emotions, and he's not going to get a cotton-picking thing done. You've got to have a cause to have an effect. Amen? And David said, hey, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is this guy going to roll up in here and defy my God? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to show these people there is a cause. My brother says it can't be done. There's people that's standing up on top of this mountain says it can't be done. But ladies and gentlemen, can I submit to you that it doesn't matter what the circumstances, it doesn't matter the conflict. When your calling is in place, you can put up with all the what in the world. Because your calling has to eclipse, it has to block your circumstances, your conflict. You don't believe it. Look at the life of Elijah. Elijah had all these people say, what in the world? It's you're going to sit here and defy 850 prophets of the grove and prophets of Baal. You're going to sit here and you're going to tell us we won't win? He said, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. You go ahead and go first and I'll go after you do. Them morons prayed all night, all day. Couldn't get nobody to answer. You know what? In, in layman's terms, you know what Elijah said? He said, maybe your gods are out fishing. Maybe they've fallen asleep. Maybe they don't have an alarm clock. And can I say this? Elijah's calling trumped. It eclipsed his circumstance. Because guess what? When they got done praying and cutting themselves and jumping on the altar, he said, it's my turn. He put, listen, barrels and barrels and barrels, young people, of water in that trough and in that trench and on the altar. And he prayed 63 words. And the fire of God fell on that thing. And guess what? Guess what? Elijah was saying this you might think it's 850 against one but it's 850 against the one because ladies and gentlemen Elijah knew somebody that they didn't his calling eclipsed his conflict you can go look at Paul Paul said this in Acts chapter number 20, 20, to a council, he said these words, none of these things move me neither do I count my life dear to myself that I may finish my course with joy and the ministry I've received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. You know what, ladies and gentlemen? Paul's calling eclipsed his conflict. And if that don't help you none, let me tell you what happened on Calvary one day. Jesus Christ went to the Garden of Gethsemane. By the way, I didn't even say this the other night, but do you know what Gethsemane means? It means oil press. Oh, olive press. Guess what? The Lord Jesus went there. And by the way, every victory you have, Jamie, over a devil or a demon or a giant in your life starts with a decision. I have decided. Amen? I've decided. What have I decided? I've decided, you know what? The world behind me, the cross before me. Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane and he sweat as it were great drops of blood for you young ladies, for you ma'am, for you sir. He Listen, he prayed three times that this cup might be passed from me and after the third time he said, nevertheless Lord, not my will, but thine be done. And he went to Calvary and the reason that we can go to heaven today is because his calling eclipsed his conflict. Thank God he got up out of the grave. I just do my back out right then. Y'all pray for me. 
No, I didn't. Listen. First thing that has to happen, young people, listen to me. Write the word down, eclipse. You need an eclipse in your life. Your calling, your cause must eclipse your circumstances. Number two, look at the next word. I want you to look down at verse number 22. I want to read it and then I'll give you my next point. And by the way, when you want to talk about eclipsed, we don't even know. We have no earthly idea what actually did eclipse the conflict and the circumstances of the Lord Jesus' life and His calling until we get to Hebrews 12 where it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross and despised the shame. Antonio, he did that for me. He despised the shame so he could be set down at the right hand of God for me? Jake, for me? Are you kidding me? Your calling has to eclipse your conflict. Number two. Look at verse 22. Or 32. Where were we at? 32. Look at it. It says, And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Thou art not able. Here we go. Here we go. The naysayers, those words, always coming. You're not able. You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. And David said to Saul, Hey, Saul, listen to this. Your servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion one night and a bear, and I, I took a lamb, and took a lamb out of the flock, and I went after them. <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but that's, that's, some, that's some grit. A bear and a lion came in and took a lamb. You know what I'd be saying? Bye, Felicia. Bye. I, I ain't going to chase after. It said he went after them. Amen. He went after them, and he chased them down, and look at what he did. It says, he said, I went after them and smote them. That means I, I took care of them in Jesus' name. And delivered it, delivered the lamb out of his mouth, and when he, listen, when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. No one, no wonder he ain't scared of this giant. I'm going to tell you right now, Bo, if you come up against a lion and you ain't afraid of him, I'm surrendering. You can have everything. Got. Here's all the money. You can have it all. Everything you want. I don't want no part of you. This dude is bad to the bone. But David says, you know what? Here, here's what I'm going to do. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistines. Do you know where, do you see where David's focus is? Second thing I want you to write down is this not only eclipse, but number two, enough. Enough. You say, Preacher, what do you mean? Now I want you to look at me. Until you believe, listen to me now, until you believe, and by the way, this is for you young people. The older folk are here just, just as drippings. They came just to get, get entertained or whatever. I don't know. But I'm just saying, this, this is a youth conference. This is for you young people. I don't mean that, that it's not going to speak to the hearts of the older folk. But I'm saying this is for you. 
Let me explain something to you guys. I want you to listen to me. Un until you believe, judgment day honest, until you believe that you, who you are, and what you can do is enough, you'll never claim the victory. Let me start a verse. You help me finish it. I can do all things through which... How in the world could we ever ask God to strengthen us when we don't even believe we can do it through the Lord's name? You're welcome. How do we expect God to strengthen us when we, and by the way, a lot of people say, well, that's over-exaltation, that's not humility. No, that's just poor posture. What you've got to do is stand up and say, I am somebody in Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. Jesus said the first commandment, the greatest one is this, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Second one's like unto it. Love your neighbor as you love. Oh, hello. Now we're getting down to where you scratch. I'm going to scratch where you itch, all right? The Bible says you need to love yourself. Now, that's not self-exaltation. It's not self-gratification. What Jesus is trying to say is this. Until you understand that you need to let, and I'm, I'm talking to somebody tonight, and you know I am. Some of you in this room need to let yourself off the hook. You say, oh, preacher, I've gotten forgiveness from God. I've gotten forgiveness from mom and dad. I've gotten forgiveness from the offended party, but I can't forgive myself. Oh, shut up. Why don't you just live in the finished work of Calvary? Jesus paid it all. You're forgiven. And by the way, Isaiah said, my th God spoke to Isaiah and said, you tell my people my thoughts. Isaiah are higher than your thoughts. You know what that basically means, Daniel? Isaiah, my thoughts of you, Brian, are much higher than your thoughts of you. There's not a person in this room that's not gotten up against that giant in your life and say, oh, you know, in my past. Let me tell you who that is. That's your flesh and that's the enemy whispering in your ear saying it can't be done. When you know what? You need to understand who you are and what you can do through the power of Jesus Christ is enough! Amen? Somebody say it with me. I'm enough. No, that wasn't good. I'm enough. I'm enough. Until you believe who you are in Jesus Christ and what you can do is enough, you will always be defeated by your giant. You can thank me later. Some of y'all look like you've been baptized in pickle juice right now, but that's all right. You're going to thank me later for that. Because, see, you're forgiven. Do y'all know what I was, uh, listen, Psalm chapter 85 verse 2 says, Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people, thou hast covered all their sins, Selah. Do you know the word forgiven there is a Hebrew word, Nasa? It's N-A-S-A. -A. I can't make this up, God gave it to me, and a guy gave it to me too. Do you know what N-A-S-A -A stands for? In America, it stands for National Aeronautic and Space Administration. Amen? Do you know what NASA does? They shoot rockets, Brother Dave, into space. And when they shoot a rocket, which exerts more force than the gravity in the pull of this world, amen, I'm going somewhere. When that rocket is shot up in the air, we say, up, up, and... You know what the Hebrew word Nassah means? It means to lift off and take away. Huh? Lift off and take away. You're forgiven. Learn to let yourself off the hook. Don't look down, look at me. Learn to let yourself off the hook. Smile in the face of adversity and say, I must be counted worthy of honor to be have all of this trial and temptation put in my life because God 
understands I can bear it. See, you're valuable. You're not just forgiven. You're intrinsically valuable. By the way, the price of something, the cost of something, is determined upon the price that's willing to be paid for it. So you must be valuable because Jesus died for you. Amen? Y'all ain't very excited about that. Y'all still asleep? But here's what I love about being enough, and I'm loved. I'm loved with an everlasting love, Rob. You say, preacher, how do you, how do you, what do you mean by that? Young people, when my daughter was younger and she got sick, she was deathly sick and she was throwing up out every two hours, and it was terrible, terrible, absolutely horrendous. The last, I remember one night, the last time I said, Lord, you've got to deliver my daughter. You have got to put your hand on her. I can't stand this. Give it to me. I walked into the room. She had just thrown up. It was all over everything. The bed, the sheets, the dresser, the wall. It was, I mean, it was, it was terrible. Now, let me tell you what I didn't do, Brother Dave. I did not walk into my daughter's room and say these words. Hannah, before I come and love on you and before I hug you and pick you up, you're going to have to go take a shower. You're going to have to remake the bed. You're going to have to get all of the, all the walls and all the dressers cleaned before I love on you. No, I didn't say that. I told her to come here. And I took her in my arms with throw up on her body and on me now. And I just loved on my daughter. You don't know why? Because I'm loved with everlasting love. And if you think an earthly father loves a child that much, think about what God did with you. God picked you up in his arms when you were nasty and filthy and dirty. And he cleaned you up. And you're loved like nobody else. You might be imitated, but you'll never be duplicated. You say, preacher, what's your point? I don't know, really. Except to tell God's people, understand you're in a fight. And there must be an eclipse in your life of what was behind you. And what's in front of you has got to be so much more important than what's behind you. But you need to understand you're enough. Dave, when I went to Pfeiffer University in our state, I went there to play golf. I was not saved. I was lost as a ball in high weeds, actually. And that don't make sense to my English friend. But when you play baseball in a field and you hit it past the outfielders, it'll roll up in the weeds. You can't find it. That's how lost I was. Amen? But I was lost and I didn't know Christ. And, but I, I can remember this distinctly. I walked in, and by the way, I was on a full scholarship Athletic scholarship, but I had no idea what that entailed. I didn't know what came with that, what rights and benefits. So I didn't know that there might have been a meal plan involved in this. So I'm, I'm going to tell you all right now, for three weeks while I was at school, the first three weeks of my school, I went to Arby's, I went to McDonald's, I went to Burger King. I didn't know you could eat in the, in, in the hall. I didn't have no money to eat in the dining hall. I went to them about four weeks later and I said, Sir, I said, can I do something about a meal plan? I'm going to call my mom this weekend, and I'm going to try to set some up to where I can have a meal plan on the campus. He said, let me see your ID card. He got my ID card. He set it right up there, and he, boop, 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 boop. he went, son, do you know that your ID card is your meal plan? See, what I did not know is that that was included and the price of the tuition that I got for free. Oh, you say, preacher, what's your point? I need to tell a Christian in here tonight that your ID card is your meal plan. Amen. God is enough. He will take care of your needs. He will meet every single issue you got head on. But by the way, you can't get over what you don't own. 
You'll never fight what you ain't willing to face. Don't look down, look at me. You will never fight what you ain't willing to face. So you say, preacher, what's your point? Number one, you've got to understand you need an eclipse. Number two, you need to understand you're enough. You're enough. My last point, look at verse number 40. And I'll finish for tonight. By the way, folks, can I say this? This is funny, Brother Dave. Jesse, his own daddy, didn't think enough of him to bring him to the anointing. Samuel said, is this all the sons you got? And he went, oh, there's one more, the eldest. He's out keeping sheep. Let me go get him. His own daddy didn't think he was enough. Samuel looked at Eliab, and he looked at those other sons, and he went, surely God's enough. He didn't even think, listen, he didn't even think David was enough. Then you get to Eliab, and Eliab looked at him before the battle, and he said, you ain't enough. Saul said, you ain't enough. Goliath said, you ain't enough. The only one that thought he was enough, Daniel, was God and David himself. Why? Why are you walking around in defeat when you've got an ID card and the PIN number is J-E-S-U-S? You are more than a conqueror through him that loved you. You're a child, a joint heir of Jesus Christ. You are, listen, you are not a, listen, a, you casualty, you're a conqueror. And you're enough. Say it with me. Enough. Some of y'all need to say that to the devil. Enough. I'm done with you whispering those lies in my ear. The next time you do it, I'm going to ask Jesus to come take care of you. Amen, that's what you do. My last point, and I'm done with this. Look at, look at verse number 40. Verse number 40, it says, He took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in his shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a script, even in a script and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. Look at verse 49. And David put his hand in the bag, took fence a stone one, slang it, and smote the Philistine in the forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. Last word I want you to write is this. Number one, you've got to have an eclipse. By the way, if you have an eclipse in your life, that means that what you, is in front of you blocks what's behind you. And then you understand that you're enough. It ain't going to mount to nothing if you don't do this third one. Look at what the third one is. Write this down. Effort. Effort. You say, what do you mean? I am tired, preacher, of people coming to me and saying they're praying about something they ought to take act and action on. Christians sit around in church for 57 years praying about, well, I just wonder if God's going to use me. I think I'm just going to sit here and wait on God to use me. And you're 96 years old, and you're going to sit there and rub the carpet all the way down to concrete, waiting on God to speak to you when he's already told you, Go! Get busy! I hate to preach so aggressively. I'm sorry. I can't contain what's inside of me sometimes. You need to understand, young people, that there has to be an eclipse. There has to, you have to understand you're enough through Jesus Christ. But unless you put forth the effort, you'll never defeat your giant. I just like doing that. I ain't done that in 32 years. I ain't had no hair. Amen. There has to be an effort put forth. I'll start it. You help me finish it. James said in James 2.24, Faith without works is 
Now, I'm not saying you've got to do good works to get saved, but once you get saved, you'll do good works. James said, faith without works is dead. And here's what I don't understand. How somebody can say they love Jesus Christ and quit just so easily. It's amazing to me. I mean, you get offended because of what somebody did or what they didn't do. You get offended or get your feelings hurt because somebody didn't shake your hand or somebody went up and said something commendable to somebody else. I don't understand that. In the work of God and you're getting offended and you just quit? I mean, I'm going to be honest with y'all. I went to a store similar to what Costco is in America not too long ago. And I don't know who was in the bathroom before me, but whoever it was, they offended me. But it didn't stop me from using the restroom. But yet we got people to go to church, they'll get their little feelings hurt, and they'll leave. Uh-huh, you're welcome. It's hard to sick a dog's chewing your leg off, ain't it? Yeah. So, some of y'all get that on the way home. But you got to have effort. And by the way, folks, listen to me. Effort does not equal progress. You got to have direction. See, effort plus direction equals progress. I put it this way you can hammer the nail of life on the head, but if it's in rotten wood, it ain't going to stick. You can make great time going the wrong direction. Amen. You can have all your T's crossed and your I's dotted and spell the words wrong still. What I'm saying is this you've got to have effort first, though. Here's what I'm saying. The only way that David defeated his giant. Y'all still with me? Say amen. Oh, come on. That was weak. Are you still with me? Say amen. The only way that David defeated Goliath is because of activation. He activated. It didn't activate until he put some effort toward it. He couldn't sit down in the valley and go, okay, Lord, bless me. Okay, Lord, protect me. Oh, ain't that what we do? Okay, God, I'm ready. No, you got to do something. It's time for you to do something. Stand up. Stand up for you got to do something. It has to be activated. And I'll say it this way. Like my, like my first sergeant that I was telling you about tonight, today. My first sergeant, we were digging a trench and the Amtracker would come by. And a lot of y'all ain't going to understand it's because of military terms. But an Amtracker would come by and spin it up. And he'd spin up all the cable. And it'd be in one big, we called it just a, a big weave of web of mess. And ladies and gentlemen, you know what? We'd get frustrated, we'd get discouraged. And my first sergeant would look at me and say, finish the job. Just dig it again and finish the job. Look at what David did. I have to finish this. Look at verse 51, and I'm really done. I done lied five times. Look at verse 51. Therefore David ran after he had killed the Philistine with one stone. By the way, let me say this. There's some of you in this room, and you fought a good fight, and you're in the fight, and you've been doing good, but you say, I ain't got nothing left in my tank. I'm about done. I can't do this no more. Can I submit to you and encourage you about this? Number one, David picked up five stones in that brook. He only used one. That means he had four left in his bag. I need to tell somebody in this room, you still got some stones left in your bag. Amen? Don't give up! But there must be effort. There must be effort. Look at verse 51. After David defeated the giant. And by the way, David was not going to take chances that he was not dead. He was not going to take a chance. He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm not just going to kill him. I'm going to totally destroy him. Finish the job. Look at verse 51. Therefore David ran 
and stood upon the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of his sheath thereof and slew him and took his head, cut his head off therewith. And when the Philistines saw it, their champion was dead. They fled. They ran. Guess what David did? David finished the job. Finish the job. There's got to be an effort, young people. You have got to put forth the effort for Jesus' sake. There's got to be an eclipse. You must understand you're enough. But number three, there's got to be some effort. Finish him. Listen, David said, I'm not going to take a chance. I'm going to make sure that this dude, this great big burly giant, I'm going to make sure my daddy won't be in debt. I'm going to make sure I get my wife. I'm going to make sure I don't have to shovel sheep dung no more. I'm going to tiptoe in the palace, amen. I'm going to make sure I finish the job. And I don't mean to bring up the spirit of mortal combat, but he said, finish him. Finish him. Amen? By the way, your past victories will be waiting, you, waiting on you in your future assignment. You say, what do you mean? Fourteen years later, David was in a hurry getting to a battle. He went into the, he went into the place where Ahimelech had uh, food for him and weaponry. He didn't take food or weaponry. And Elimelech, he said, I need some hallowed bread. I need some sanctified bread from my troops. He gave him some. He said, do you have any weapons? We didn't bring none. And do you know what, Jay? Ahimelech said, I've only got one thing here. It's the sword of Gideon. And David said, make that a work. There's none like it. See, Antonio, your past victories will meet you at your future assignment. Please get that. I thought I would die. I never thought, Dave, the hardest thing for me to do as a Marine was to get out of bed every morning. But on March 27, 2011, my son was taken from me. Do you like that? And I never, ever thought the hardest thing for me to do was get out of the bed in the morning. But guess what today? Today I can stand with broad shoulders because I understand I'm enough. I'm enough. I can understand that I have... Listen, my future has to eclipse my past but I've got to clear, put forth some effort. Got to put forth some effort, Sophie. Got to make sure that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do for Jesus Christ. Not so He can be impressed. But that so one day, after I have fought a good fight, after I have finished my course, and after I have kept the faith, He said, henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love His appearing. Say, preacher, what's your point? My point is this. Finish the job. Finish the job. Maybe God, maybe some of you in this room are tr just trying to survive what God called you to conquer. Can I say it again? Maybe some of you in this room are only trying to survive. God didn't ask you just to survive. Some of y'all got saved and you think, I'm done. No, the process just started. It's called sanctification. And some of you in this room, you say, hey, I've got my fire insurance out of hell. I'm going to heaven. And I'm done. Because the battle's the Lord's. Oh, yeah. The battle is His. But there's some battles in this room that some of you didn't even choose.
You didn't choose what family you was born into. You didn't choose Asperger's. You didn't choose dyslexia. You didn't choose bipolar. You didn't choose a daddy that tried to kill you. You didn't choose a mom that tried to abort you. You didn't choose that battle. It's quiet because some of y'all are thinking, maybe God wants you to conquer what you're only trying to survive. You can close your Bibles. I'm done with this. Years ago, I was in my church in Salisbury, not Salisbury, but in, in, in Delco, a little town outside of where I live right now. And a lady came to me and she said, she said, preacher, will you pray for me? She said, I, uh, I'm getting ready to have a baby and I, I just, uh, there's something in my life I have to quit. I have to quit or it's going to cause some detrimental damage to my child. And I asked her what it was and she told me, she said, I, I've got a real problem with cigarettes. Now, I'm not advocating against or for, I'm not. That's not my place. She just wanted to quit. By the way, my question to you tonight is this. What are you willing to kill to get to where you want to be? What are you willing to kill to get to where you want to be? To your destiny, to your peace, to your joy, to get to that life that's full again. Instead of just getting up every morning going, there's that big old joker again. There's that big old giant. This lady looked at me and she said, what do I do? I gave her some advice. She left me. She came back to me about a month later and she said, preacher, she said, I can't quit. What do I do? I said, ma'am, all we can do is pray. And you just got to give it to God. You got you to make a decision. It's a decision that you make. You've got to decide. By the way, this ain't hard. Christian life ain't hard. You just got to do what God says do. You say, it can't be that, oh, yes, that easy. You just give it to him. She came to me two months later, five months pregnant. She looked at me and she said, I ain't had a cigarette in four weeks. I said, glory to God, how'd you do it? She said, well, for the first week, I put a rubber band on my hand. It was about three quarters of an inch thick. And every time I got the urge to take one, pow! I mean, she said, man, that hurt. She said, I wouldn't want a cigarette for about 10 minutes. And then I'd, I'd smoke about four in a row, you know, he said, that wasn't, I said, well, what made you quit? She said, well, my husband said he would buy me a brand new car if I quit. <laughs> she quit for five days, went back smoking. He said, I'll give you an all-expense-paid trip if you stop smoking to Hawaii. We're spending money. Ladies, can I get an amen? Guess what? She quit six days and then went back to smoking. I said, how have you been quit a month now? This is what she said. She said, I went in my room. She said, I got on my knees in front of my bed. And she said, this is what I said to God. She said, Lord, I love you. And I've got a baby that's growing inside of me. And she said, I know that what I'm doing is bad. And it could be detrimental to my health. She says, but if I take another smoke, a stroke or a, a, a puff off of a cigarette, that's what she said. She said, save my baby, but kill me. In Jesus' name. Huh. I think she meant business. You say, what do you mean? Until you are willing to kill what it takes to get to where you're going, you'll always live in defeat. We're in a battle. There must be an eclipse. Look at me. I'm not done. Now. Look at me. Eclipse, enough. And Karen, effort. Amen? Effort. Jesus conquered death and hell for us. He conquered it. He didn't just defeat it. He destroyed it. He said, finish the job. 
I'm going to finish a job. Finish him. Amen. On a hill called Calvary, Jesus my Lord suffered for me. Carried the cross all the way, my sins to atone. Then they nailed him to the cross. Great was the pain and the loss. He suffered it all because he loved me. Then they carried him away, placed him in a lowly grave. Surely they thought that this would be the end of this man. But on that third and glorious day, God came and rolled the stone away. He rose from the dead because He loved me. Amen? Are you willing to kill what you need to kill to get to where you're going? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want to ask one question tonight. Nobody looking around. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You're in this room. You'd say with an upraised hand, preacher, I know that I'm born again. I'm a soldier of the cross. I've put my faith in Christ, Him alone, not in church, not in religion, not in baptism. But I've put my faith in Christ and I can raise my hand right now. Judgment day, honest, I'm born again on my way to heaven. If you can say that without a shame, unashamedly, if you can say that, would you just put it up and then put it back down? God bless you. Once you've done that, you can put it back down. This is my question tonight as Miss Shelley begins to play. You're in this room and you'd say, Preacher, I'm not sure if something happened to me. I'd go to heaven, but I want to go and I want you to pray for me. I'm just not sure if I'm saved tonight and I want you to pray for me. Anybody like that? God bless you. God bless you, bud. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. Anybody else? Don't play games. God already knows. Three hands went up. This is my petition to you if you need Christ tonight. When we stand to our feet in just a moment, if you'd make your way, down to me, Pastor uh, Larry or Brother uh, Dave. One of us can take a Bible. One of, one of the young people that's here at this conference can take a Bible, show you how you can be born again by the Spirit of God tonight and be set free and forgiven and on your way to heaven. Now here's my last question. I want you to answer it Judgment Day Honest. There's some of you in a battle in this room you didn't even choose. You've got a physical infirmity. You've got a, listen, you've got a heavy heart. You've got a death that came in your family. Some of you right now have lost loved ones in the last year. And it absolutely takes your breath every time you think about the loss. That's your giant. That's your Goliath. Some of you in here are depressed. You're struggling with addictions. You're struggling with strongholds. And it's time to defeat that giant. The only way you're going to do it is having an eclipse. What's in front of you has got to be more important than what's behind you. Some of you in this room need to understand you're enough. And then there must be an effort that's put forth to see God do a work. Now this is what I'm going to do. We're going to stand in just a moment as Miss Shelley continues to play. My question is this. What are you willing to do to defeat your giant? Are you willing to say with that lady, God, whatever you have to do, by all means necessary, do in my life. I'm going to ask you to search your heart tonight. If you need to come to this altar... Make, listen, make reparation, make decisions. You do that tonight. We're going to stand right now. Right now with our heads bowed and eyes closed, standing to our feet. If you need to come right now, why don't you come? The Lord Jesus says you're enough. Some of you have doubted that. Some of you have not put forth the effort that you need to. 
And some of you definitely haven't had an eclipse in your life. It's time. If you need to come tonight, I want you to come right now. Right now. That's right. Come on. If you need to come, you come. The song says, earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling. If you know the, if you know the verse, sing it with me. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Just sing it. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. He's waiting and watching, watching for you and for me. Sing it if you know it. Come home, come home. Ye who are weary, earnestly tender, calling. As Shelley continues to play, I want to ask one more question. I wonder if you could say, young people, Bethel crowd, visitors, guests, all that are in this room, I wonder if you'd be willing to say this with me. God, I'm willing to do whatever you speak to my heart about in order for me to have genuine Holy Ghost, heaven-breathed revival in my life. And I'm willing to say with an upraised hand, I'm willing to do whatever you speak to me about in order for me to have a touch of God on my life and defeat my giant in my life this week. If you can raise your hand with mine, do that right now. Father, you see the hands that represent these hearts. Lord, as David said, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, my strength and my Redeemer. Lord, we need to understand we can't, but thank God you can. And we're enough through the power, resurrection power of Jesus Christ. What we have in our pouch is enough because you've given it to us. But we must understand that we're not the power. We're just the pot that you put it in. God, please have your will and your way in these days to come. Thank you for these precious people tonight and their willingness to listen on purpose. God, have your will and your way in the remainder of this weekend. And for all of it, we're going to praise you for what you do. In Jesus' mighty name.